0: We are in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and we're going to begin reading with verse 21 down to 28, the last eight verses of this chapter, and we will get through the book of Matthew, chapter 16, Um, the Lord willing, the church don't rise, but I'd be really thrilled if the church would rise right now, amen, praise God. I'm going to be talking about the man that rebuked Jesus to his face. That just makes me shiver when I think of anybody rebuking Jesus to his face. But how many know Jesus is going to do a lot of rebuking to people's faces on judgment day? And um, it's amazing what we can find in the scriptures when we read and, and study and the Lord begins to reveal things to us. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read these last eight verses. Chapter 16 beginning with verse 21. From that time, from that time forth, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, "'Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee.' But he turned and said unto Peter, "'Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men.'" Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I want to use for a subject this morning, Peter rebukes Jesus. You may be seated. Previously, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter was pretty much this great spiritual articulating of who Jesus was. In fact, the Father revealed to Peter that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the living Son of God. And out of that, Jesus changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter. And Peter means, Simon means like water, wishy-washy, but Peter means a little rock, a pebble. And Jesus Christ, from now you're going to be called Peter, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, not Peter, but upon the rock that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God, Jesus declared to Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then he turned to Peter and said, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom. And boy, Peter was probably quite proud. In fact, he didn't even know what to do with the keys until the day of Pentecost. He just held them. I guess there was a hole burning in his pocket. He didn't really know what to do with it. But on the day of Pentecost, it was revealed. He opened up the gospel to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. And then he opened up the gospel to the Gentiles in the book of Acts chapter 10. So he did truly have the keys. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Meaning intercessory prayer. Meaning what we agree upon as a church. God in his will and by his will only will he perform as God's people stand together together and they intercede for those that are in need of salvation. Now, Peter is feeling pretty good about himself. After all, he has the keys. He's already got revelation from the Father that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the living Son of God. He hears Jesus Christ say, The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that I build. So Peter was quite enamored by the words that Jesus Christ spoke to him. And I believe the disciples were excited as well. Now notice where it picks up. Here in verse 21, from that time, after all these things transpired, previously in Matthew 16, Jesus shows his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and he shall be killed and be killed and be raised again from the dead. Now, it's amazing. The only thing Peter heard in that statement was the Lord's going to be killed. The only thing he heard Jesus say He's going to be persecuted. The scribes are going to come against you. He's going to suffer in Jerusalem and be killed. That's all that Peter heard. He didn't hear the rest of the gospel and be raised from the dead. I love the rest of the gospel, don't you? But Peter didn't hear all that God had to say. And many times when we don't hear what God has to say, we will make poor judgments and we will do things that is not pleasing to God. Peter rebukes Jesus. Now, when I stop and think about Peter rebuking Jesus, basically Peter is saying unto him, be it far from thee, Lord. You're too good to die. Be it Far from thee, Lord. You're too powerful to die. You're too needed to die. You can feed the millions. You can't die. You can heal the sick. You can't die. You can remove demons. You can't die. You can raise the dead, and you can't die. Peter said, I walked with you, and I walked on the water with you. I saw the 5,000 fed with a little bit of bread and some fish. I saw the 4,000 fed with a little bit of bread and some fish. The Jews need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. The Gentiles need you, Lord. Be it far from thee. Now notice verse 22 and, and verse 21 and 22. From that time, Jesus said, I'm going to die But he didn't hear the rest Peter didn't hear the rest story Raising him from the third day And Jesus took him And began to rebuke him Saying Be it far from thee Lord This shall not be unto thee You can't die Be it far from thee Lord Don't talk about dying Don't talk about Being beaten and killed Don't talk about being betrayed. You're the Christ, the living Son of God. You're the Savior of the Jews. I don't understand it completely, but you're the Savior of the Gentiles. You just said to me a few moments ago that you're going to build a church in the gates of hell to not prevail against it, and now you're talking about dying? The Bible says that Peter took him aside Peter took him aside because Peter only heard one thing Jesus said, I'm going to be killed. He didn't listen to the rest of the story. He didn't listen that the third day he shall rise again. He missed the resurrection. Let me tell you, friends, the world is hell bound if they miss the resurrection. You're hell bound if you miss the resurrection. And Jesus said, I'm going to be killed, raised again the third day. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. All Peter heard was, you're going to die. That's all he heard. And so many times people come to church and all they hear is the negative part. Although here in life, world is always bringing you the bad part. But God brings you the resurrected part. God brings you the victorious part. The world brings you the suffering part. The world brings you the heartbreak part. The world brings you the dark part. The world brings you the suffering part. The world brings you the crucifixion, the cross part. But Jesus Christ brings you the resurrection. Life. I contend to say that Peter rebukes Jesus because all he heard was, I'm going to be killed. And I believe Jesus rebukes Peter now. First Peter rebukes Jesus. Now Jesus rebukes Peter. And because Jesus rebukes Peter, I think Jesus is also hearing something that he had heard somewhere before. Peter took him to side, took him aside, rebuked him. Whether he did it in front of the other disciples or not, I don't know. But Peter took him, and I believe it struck a bell in Jesus' heart. I believe Jesus thought, "Where have I heard this before? Where have I heard this before? You don't have to die. You're the Savior." you're God. You don't have to die. You can do it all. You're powerful. And I believe Jesus is saying, okay, where did I hear this before? And I'll tell you where he heard it. He heard it in the temptation in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. Just as Peter took him aside and rebuked him, verse 8 of chapter 4 says, again, the devil taketh him, just like Peter only he took him up to an exceeding high mountain, the devil did, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Saying unto him, all these things I'll give thee. You don't have to die. You don't have to go to the cross. If you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you all this. And Jesus responds and says, get thee hence Satan. Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And this is the reply that Jesus gave to Peter. Get behind me, verse 23. Satan. Wow. Thou art an offense, you're offending me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. Now, Peter was never the same after this rebuke. He was never the same. He tried to stop the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, cut off an ear. Peter backslid and denied his Lord. Peter was never the same after this. I don't know whether he held a grudge against Jesus, called him the devil. Jesus called him the devil. And I've seen people rise high like Peter, thou art the Christ, the living son of God. I've seen people rise high like Peter, I've got the keys, whoo, God's moving in my life. And then I've seen people lowered and made low because God rebukes. Oh, yeah. I love them sermons where we're edified and excited and thrilled. Can't stand sermons that rebuke. Hello. And so Peter's feeling pretty, you know, he's feel, as in our vernacular day, he's feeling his chariots. He's feeling his chariots. He's, he's took his can of spinach like Popeye, the sailor man. He's strong. And he says, you don't have to die, Jesus. And Jesus said, I've heard this before. And the same thing he said to Satan on that exceedingly high mountain, get thee hence, Satan, the devil. Get thee hence. And he tells Peter, you don't savor. You offend me because you don't savor the things that be of God. But you savor the things that men savor. I want to stop right here and say to everyone in this room that Jesus had to go to the cross and die, He had to fulfill his Father's will. If he had not went to the cross and died, you and I would be damned forever. His blood had to be shed to remove our sins. He had to take to the grave our past and wickedness and raise again from the grave to give us a new start, a new beginning in life. Satan tried to keep him from doing this by offering him everything. And Peter didn't offer Jesus everything. Peter said, Jesus, you are everything. You don't have to do this. And Jesus rebuked Peter. Now, the world rebukes the truth of God. If you haven't discovered that yet, the world rebukes the truth of God. The world says, no, marriage is not between a man and a woman. It could be between a man and anything or a woman and anything. The world rebukes the truth of God. It says, no, you don't have to come to Christ. There's other ways to heaven. The world rebukes the truth of God. And says, we can live and do as we please and go as we go and and defile ourselves and live in sin and everything's going to be okay. The world defies the truth of God. Sinners defy the truth of God. Rebellious people defy the truth of God. The world rebukes God's truth. By refusing to come to the house of the Lord, by refusing to call out to God, by refusing to give God honor, by refusing to acknowledge God, they even go as far as to say, no, God doesn't even exist. The world rebukes the truth of God. Because the world will cause you all kinds of problems. And we need to understand, brace yourself for the world. Brace yourself for the world. Now, I've been pretty lenient and been pretty soft to this point, but we're going to get right down to the nitty-gritty where Jesus Christ talked about what it's going to take to brace ourselves for the world. All that, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of other things, the lust of the eyes, all that is in the world is not of the Father, but of this world. All that is in the world, death, envy, and strife, and sin, and iniquity. All that is in the world, pleasure, live as you can, do as you please, one day you'll die, don't worry, we'll Latch on to God on our way down. You better latch on to God while you're up out of the grave. Amen? And Jesus Christ is basically saying, brace yourself for the world. Jesus come to conquer the world. The last verse of John 16, verse 33, says, uh, Be of good cheer. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Jesus Christ came not only to overcome your sin and overcome your past and overcome your fears, he come to overcome your death, he come to overcome your bondage, and he come to overcome your grave, and he come to overcome your world that is in opposition to you. amen. Some people are way too attached to the world. And Jesus Christ is talking about this. Peter had his focus on a kingdom now. Peter had his focus on Jesus ruling now. Peter had his focus on Toppling Rome now. Peter had his, had his focus on Jesus conquering, uh, the Caesar now. Peter had his fo- eyes focused on, uh, uh, the bread and the fish and the walking on water and the blessings of the Lord. He had his focus on the rah, rah, rah. Hooray, hooray. He had his focus on all of what Jesus Christ could give them in pleasure. But Jesus Christ said, listen, The world has pleasure, but he that liveth or she that liveth in sin, in that pleasure of sin is dead while they live. And so Jesus comes to conquer the world. And in conquering the world, he tells these disciples, and Luke says he told not just the disciples, he told those around him, that they were to, follow. If any man will come after me, verse 24, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So here we go. Jesus Christ said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now immediately that brought shivers and fear sweeping across Peter and the other disciples. Why? Because the cross was cruel. The cross was bloody and messy. The cross was agony and pain and shame. The cross was horrendous. Those disciples had walked past the Roman road and seen people crucified. It was a, it was a regular form of execution in Rome they saw the agony. they saw the cursing of men on the cross, uh, on the crosses being crucified. they saw the pain and the sorrow and the weeping of the children and the, uh, and the women beneath the cross. they saw the, the crying and the uh, hanging on that cross for days and days and days in and, and agony and despair. And Jesus says, you got to take your cross. Whoa. Now, I'm glad that Jesus Christ probably would not call on any of us to take up a literal cross, but we're all called to take up our cross, take up our burdens, take up our struggles. We're all called to take up our storms, take up our burdens and our laborious times. We're all called to take up our heartbreaks and take up our nervous fears. We're all called on to take up bad news from a doctor. We're all called on to take up a world that is in opposition to us. Brace yourself for the world. We're all called to carry our cross, but glory to God, we're going not just to a cross to die, but we're going to the cross where our Savior bled and died and rose again from the grave the third day. Four reasons to brace yourself for this world. Brace yourself for this world. If you haven't discovered it by now, I you know, I hope you have discovered it by now. This world is not a pleasant place to live at times. This world is not always pleasant at times because there is going to be crosses. And instead of cursing God when you're going to a hard time, praise God because God is the Lord over all hard times. Instead of cursing God, instead of blaming God for your problem, look to God and say, Jesus, my master, Jesus, my savior, went to the cross, took my hell, took my death, took my shame, took my pain. How could I do less than to follow Jesus Christ and bear my own cross living for Jesus Christ? Amen. So Jesus gives us four reasons to brace ourselves for the world. Four reasons to brace ourselves for the world. The world is a horrific place. And, and I, you say, well, you know, I love the world and I'm having a great time in the lo- world. Well, trust me, the world's going to let you down. Trust me, this world is not your home. You're just passing through here and you better make sure that you're on the upper side instead of the lower side. Of this planet. Now, Jesus Christ said, You follow me. And where was Jesus Christ going? He was going from there to Jerusalem to be betrayed, scourged, mocked, and crucified just outside the city of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary, Golgotha. That's all Peter heard. In fact, that's all most people hear. It's just bad. It's just a horrible thing. But you got to remember, just as Jesus died and went to the tomb and rose again from the grave, you will stand before that resurrected Savior and he will judge you. And... Jesus resurrected is guaranteed that we're going to face God on the other side. I want to face him. I don't want Jesus in my face rebuking me. Now, let's look at this. How to save your life. Jesus Christ gives us four things about four reasons to brace yourself from this world or for the world. Because the world is in opposition, the world has problems. Do we just go along with the world? Do we just live like the world? Well, if you live like the world, you're going to die like the world. If you, if you just follow everything in the world, you're, you're going to find yourself separated from God. Notice, Jesus Christ said to Peter, you savor us not the things of God. So let's look at these four things. They're salty. And I made sure I put a little more salt on it because I love salt. Four reasons. I'm one of these guys, I get eggs, I just look for the salt sugar. We can't even begin this scrambled egg process till we get some salt. Amen? A little salt is good, more salt's better. And so Jesus gives us four reasons to brace ourselves from the world. Number one, how, how to save your life. Your life needs saved, and he tells us how to save your life. Number two, you are worth more than this life. Your value, you're worth more than this life. Number three, blessings are coming that are not earthly, Things are coming that is not of this world. And number four, Jesus will give you visions of glory. Woo! Amen. You're going, you're going, why are you, why are you going, woo? Why are you going, woo? Why are you going, woo, praise the Lord? Because I've read my notes. I see what Jesus says. Amen. If you're not happy about it, you need to read. Verse 25, Matthew 16. How do I save my life in a world that is going to crush down and cave in on me? How do I save my life in a world that in the end, it's going to stop at the graveyard? How do I save my life in a world That is going to end up at the graveyard, end up in despair, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to face God. How do I save my life? Verse 25, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. See, men live only for now unconverted men and women live only for now. And that savors not the things of God. But in verse 25, Jesus Christ says, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. In other words, if you live only for now, if you only live for now, If you save your life now and you only live for pleasure and you only live for what you want to do and you only live for where you want to go and you only live your life, your best life now, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the value of your life because you're more than just food and raiment. You're more than clothing. You're more than just flesh. He says, lose yourself. And basically, Jesus Christ is saying, you need to lose yourself in me. If I be crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So we must lose ourselves, where? In Jesus. Because if we lose ourselves in Jesus, he won't lose us. But if you don't lose yourself, if you lose yourself in the world, you're going to lose. But if you lose yourself in Jesus, say, well, how do I lose myself in Jesus? Let me explain this. Lose yourself in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make much of the Bible. Make much of what Jesus did for you. Make much of church. Make much of honoring God. Make much of God's word. Make much of prayer to God. Make much of walking, following Jesus Christ. Make much of it. And if you'll make much of it, you'll save your life. Now, that don't mean we're saved by works. It just means that if we'll lose ourselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the works of Jesus Christ will save our life. Amen? Now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. He that saves his life shall lose it picnics, pleasure, apparel, food, activities, joy, everything, the pleasures of the world, grab everything you can get, grab the riches, grab the pleasure, grab the things, grab everything you can get, you'll lose your life. But if you lose yourself in the gospel for the sake of Jesus, for my sake shall you find it. Amen? Hello? For my sake shall you find it. I love that phrase, my sake. Most of us need to learn to live a life that is for his sake, not our sake. I was praying this morning, talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I just want to be a pleasure to you. That was part of my prayer. Lord, I just want to be a pleasure to you. I want you to look at me and smile. I want you to look at me and say, that's my boy. I just want to be pleasure to you. Because in the end, the pleasure of the king stretches forth the scepter and gives you everything. Isn't that beautiful? But there are those who spend all their life in the world, and when it's in, they tack Jesus on the side, hoping they make it. And Jesus Christ says, that, that's not the way it works. You follow me to the cross. You take up your cross, and you follow me to where I'm going. You follow me to my death. You follow me to my suffering. You follow me to my tomb. You follow me to my resurrection. And you follow me from here on to glory. You follow me till I return. Isn't that beautiful? Now, some of you are sitting there saying, I'm nervous. Well, you ought to be if you're all caught up in the world. The second thing, the the, the second reason you should brace yourself from this world or for this world. 26, verse 26, you are worth more than this life. You are worth more than 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 3 score and 10 years, 85 years, 90 years. You're worth more than this life that ends at a crematory or a graveyard. You're worth more than living a short time on earth. And losing your life. Jesus come to save us. Verse 26, well, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, I've decided that there, that there really isn't anything that I can give for exchange for, for my soul, but Jesus gave something in exchange for my soul. Jesus gave something... For exchange for my soul. What does it profit a man if I were to gain everything? If I gained all the money, gained all the pleasure, gained all the fame, gained all of earth's glory, gained everything in this world. What would it profit me if I had all the money, all the pleasure, all the power, all the fame, all of earth's glory? What would it profit a man if I had it all? If you had it all? A great family, wonderful children, beautiful grandchildren. Those are all beautiful things, but what would it profit you if you gained it all and you lose your own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his So when Jesus gave that exchange for us, amen? Third, blessings are coming that are not earthly. The third Reason we should brace ourselves from the world is blessings are coming that are not earthly. And by the way, let me say this all the blessings that are not earthly are eternal, and all the blessings that are earthly are temporal. Notice verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then shall He reward every man according to His works. Now, that may not mean a lot to you right now, but I'm telling you, when the awards are going out, it's going to mean a lot. Amen. I got tickled with one of my grandkids, and I'll not say which one it was. But Judy was going to reward them if they did a certain thing and they behaved and did a certain way, and Judy was going to reward him. And one of my grand Son said, my granddaughters are perfect but one of my grandsons said I don't care I don't care if I get it I'm going to misbehave I'm going to do what I want to do some of you can guess who that boy is but anyway he didn't care but it came time for the reward he decided it was time to care Are you listening to me, Mom? Care? I'm gonna live a long, long life, and and, and it'll be okay. I'll grab Jesus on the way down or up or whatever I'm going. I'm not worried about it. You're an idiot. You say you shouldn't call people's names. Well, Jesus called them hypocrites, and I'd think an idiot. I'd take idiot over hypocrite any day. Hello. Notice, blessings are coming that are not earthly. On the other side of this planet, on the other side of this world, the Son of Man is coming in His glory. And He's coming with His holy, his Father's angels, His holy angels. And He shall give reward to every man according to His works, not Works to be saved, but because we are saved, because we put God in our life, because we honor God, the rewards roll in because God says, You give me pleasure, you make me happy. Boy, I want to give God pleasure and I want to make God happy. Yes, amen. amen. And so Jesus Christ is coming to give us blessings. One of those blessings is eternal life. Those blessings is the crown of life. Those blessings is a brand new glorified body. Those blessings is well done, thy good and faithful servant. Then blessings is, you've made it home. Welcome home, and those blessings is a mansion in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Those blessings is you're going to step from this dark planet to the bright sunshine of heaven's glory. Now we come to verse 28 that so many people don't quite understand verse 28. But I want you to understand verse 28, and I want you to understand what Jesus Christ is saying in verse 28. Jesus will give you visions of glory. Now, the world will give you visions of gore. It'll be gory. The world will give you visions of deception. The world will give you visions of mythology. The world will give you visions of lies. The world will give you visions of dreams that'll never happen. The world will give you visions of things that you want to aspire to, but the world is a big lie. And if you did inspire, if you did achieve those great things, what shall it profit you if you, lose them, if you gain them all and lose your soul? But most people are not going to gain all the world. Most people are not going to. Most people just have a little piece of molded, disgusting piece of the world. I'd hate to think my life is just a little room with some trinkets. Amen? And so we need to understand that Jesus will give us visions of glory. I want to explain this verse to you because it's important because a lot of people do not understand these visions of glory. He's speaking to Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples. And basically, Peter, James, and John are the ones that get this in their life because they They cleave to the bosom of Jesus. They're the three that was closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They were closest to Jesus. Yes, they. uh, John put his head upon the bosom of Jesus. It is these three that Jesus, he's speaking to all of them, but uh, some of them happen to be Peter, James, and John. Verily I say unto you, there be some, Peter, James, and John, standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. What if I was to tell you that happened in the next chapter? Chapter 17. Jesus Christ goes up on a high mountain, probably Mount Hermon. Doesn't necessarily went all the way to the top, but he did go on Mount Hermon. You say, how do you think it's Mount Hermon? Because that's where Caesarea Philippi was, Mount Hermon. And so he goes up on the mountain Mount Hermon. And the Bible says in verse 7 in chapter 17 Matthew that Jesus was transfigured before them, Peter, James and John. And they saw Jesus in his glory. What did they see? They saw Jesus the son of man coming in his kingdom. They saw Moses, they saw Elijah talking about the death and resurrection of the Son of God in Jerusalem. They saw Moses lit up. They saw Elijah lit up. They saw Jesus lit up, transfigured, the Son coming in His glory, in His kingdom. They saw it. They saw a glimpse of Jesus' majesty. And not only did Peter and John see this glimpse of majesty, this vision of glory, but John lives old enough to see the visions of glory in the book of Revelation. And he sees Jesus in all His glory. He sees Jesus in all His splendor. He sees Jesus resurrected in His resurrected, glorified body. He sees Jesus in His in His as He was before He came to planet Earth. John sees Jesus. He sees heaven opening up. He sees the glory of God sweep across the earth. He sees not only the wrath of God but the blessing of God. He sees the new city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a as a, a adorn for a bride for husband. He sees the river of life. He sees the trees of life. He sees it all. John got to see before he tasted death. Not in the magnitude of Peter, James, and John, but I have tasted. I have seen the glory of God before I will taste death. Salvation is A product of the glory of God. I see glimpses of His glory. I'm not dead, but I'm seeing it. I see the glimpses of His glory. I know that he died on the cross of Calvary for me. I know he rose again from the grave. I know he is the sovereign God of the universe, and I see the visions of glory in my soul. I open the Bible and see visions of glory. I pray and talk to God and see visions of glory. I call out to God and see visions of glory. I look at the Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, beaten to death and bleeding and bloodletting for my sins and for my, uh, my past, in my iniquity, but going to the tomb, I see the visions of glory. The Son of God rises again the third day from the grave. I see the visions of glory, and one day I taste His coming, I can sense His return. For one day He shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the an ark, and I will see the visions of His glory. And some of you sitting here shall not taste of death till you see him coming in glory. Woo! Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to wrap this up, and I want to say to you today, Peter took Jesus aside. That means he took him apart, just as in the book of, Uh, Chapter 4 verse in Matthew, just in chapter 4 of Matthew, Satan took Jesus aside. And Peter took Jesus aside. And both had the same message. One was more sentimental, Peter's, but they both had the same message. You don't have to take up your cross. You don't have to sacrifice. You can live your best life now. You can do what you want to do. And so Satan takes Jesus in Matthew 4 up to an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the glory of the earth. And Peter takes him aside and shows him all the glory that he had seen of Jesus. And said, You don't have to do this. And I want you to know just as Jesus stood on that exceedingly high mountain and said, Satan, get behind me. Jesus Christ said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, because I'm going to another mountain. It's not really a mountain, it's kind of small. It's called Golgotha's Hill. I'm going to Mount Calvary. I'm going outside the city to a little place just above Gordon's garden tomb. And just above that garden tomb, I'm going to die on the cross of Calvary, my cross. And you're going to follow me to it. And you're going to see me. Butchered and crucified and bloodletted, beaten beyond recognition. And I'm going to turn that little hill, Golgotha, into the most important, most famous, most glorious mountain on planet earth. It was just a hill. (laughs) But Jesus knew how to make a molehill, make a mountain out of a molehill. Amen? Amen? It was just a little hill, but Jesus knew how to make the little hill a mountain. We sing about it at Calvary. We sing about it And we preach about Golgotha's Hill. We preach about what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus Christ paid the sin debt for you and I, not to just have what he wanted for a moment, but to purchase for you and I what we can have for eternity. He went to the cross. He died on the cross. He rose again from the grave. And he says, if you'll follow me, take up your cross and follow me. And if you'll follow me, If you lose yourself in my life, if you lose yourself in my crucifixion, if you lose yourself in my blood, if you lose yourself in my resurrection, if you lose yourself in my story, if you lose yourself in the things of God and the blessings of God, you'll save your life. But if you refuse to honor God and you refuse to serve God, and you refuse to live for God, and you refuse to be crazy and and obsessed about the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose you're gonna lose you're gonna lose and God forbid you may lose your soul I uh, I want you to understand something you can't abuse the gospel of Jesus Christ and then when it comes time to die everybody says you went to be with the Lord You can't, you can't reject the things of God. And then when you're gone, everybody says, well, they got their wings. So-and-so became an angel today. Trust me. I don't even believe in that spiritual evolution. You're not going to get no wings. If God wanted you to have wings, you had have been born with them. Instead, he gave you some intelligence to find someone that had enough brains to build you an airplane so you could fly that way. But Jesus rebukes Peter and he says, I want you to know that what I'm about to do is the only way you're going to get off this planet alive. And if you save your life and you spend all your life for pleasure and all your life for what you want to do, you're going to lose your life. He that saves his life shall lose it, meaning save it for pleasure, save it for things, save it for this life. The world is a deceiver. Brace yourself for the world. Remember that there's rewards after this life. There's judgments coming after this life. Remember, you're more valuable than things. Remember, Jesus Christ came to give you eternal life. He didn't come for you to not take up your cross. Jesus Christ didn't come for you to not take up your burden. Jesus Christ didn't come for you to just, just say, isn't that nice, Jesus was such a sweet guy. The, the Lord didn't come for you to, to just for you to live your life and tack on some security in your heart. Jesus didn't come for you to continue on and cleave to the world. Jesus came for you so that you could... Come to him that you can wrap your life around the hands of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ could embrace you and help you. But the world will say, The world will rebuke you and say, Oh, you got things you can do, you got money to make, you got places to go. The world will rebuke you and say, Oh, 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 you don't have to be crazy about the Lord. The world will rebuke you. The world will rebuke truth. The world will rebuke the Son of God and tell you that you can just handle this thing with a little perfume bar of soap and say, I'm ready to go to heaven. Amen? Judy has allergies, so she doesn't let me use perfume of any kind, clone of any kind. So I decided I'll just get old and stink. Thank God for allergies. I don't even have to shower anymore. <laughs> well, I do, but you know, I don't have to. You're glad to know that. I don't want to come across as being too harsh. But if your whole world isn't Jesus, then your whole world's wrong. If your whole life isn't Jesus then you're trusting to save, to keep your own life. And you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, for the, my sake, don't you wish that wasn't in the Bible? Lose your life? Is he saying that you lose your life, you know, you got to be killed and die? and Well, that could be. God might call you to do that. But what does he mean by losing your life? He means to be totally absorbed and totally overcome by the person of Jesus Christ. When he says you're to lose your life and then you'll save it, if you lose your life for my sake, what Jesus Christ is basically saying, if you will lose your life and make it all about him and not you, if you'll lose your life and make it all about the gospel and not you, then you'll save your life. You won't save your life because of what you do. You'll save your life because what Jesus is to you. I know this has been a hard sermon, but you hear me. I'm going to answer to God. One day you'll close your eyes in death. One day you'll reach the end of your life. One day you'll answer to God. And I want you to be able to say in your heart with a clear conscience, my pastor told me the truth. My pastor told me that I must lose my life in Jesus Christ, in the gospel, in order to save it. Does that that mean you can't enjoy things in in earth? Does that mean you can't enjoy a great big long two-foot long banana split? Trust me, you can do that. Well, I can't. Judy won't let me. But anyway, but I could do it if she'd let me. Nice ball game, going fishing. All those things are wonderful. Spending time with our children, our grandchildren, having a big meal at home. And all those things are wonderful. Not everything on the earth is bad. But don't replace Jesus with all anything bad or anything good. Don't replace Jesus with your pleasure or your displeasure. Don't replace Jesus with your sin or your own paths. Don't replace God's word, because the world will rebuke you. The world will rebuke you and say, well, you got money to make. The world will rebuke you where you've got things to do. The world will rebuke you and say, well, you you don't have to have this church all the time. The world will rebuke you. You don't have to be all bug-eyed about Jesus Christ. The world will rebuke you and say, you don't have to be outspoken about your salvation in the blood and in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The world will rebuke you. You don't have to be so fanatical about Jesus. You don't have to serve Jesus like you do. The world will rebuke you. And I want you to understand Just as Peter rebuked Jesus Christ and just as Satan rebuked Jesus Christ on that exceeding high mountain, the world will rebuke you and tell you you can have it all. You can do what you want. The world will rebuke you and say, live the way you want to live. Don't worry about it. And Jesus Christ says, you better worry about it because your life is more than raiment, and what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You better start worrying about it. Amen. Brother Don, I sense a little bit of heaviness on you today. But I want you to know Carry that cross proudly. Carry that cross with great pride. The cross, your cross. Don't worry. It'll all work out. There's nothing that can backfire that Jesus Christ can't refire. There's nothing that can come your way that God cannot reverse. God can reverse the curse. God can reverse the sickness. God can reverse the obsession. God can reverse the depression. Don't let depression sink you deep, lowly in the bed of despair. Rise up high. Serve your God. Carry with pride your cross for Jesus Christ. Walk with God. Serve God. Because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're going home. And there's rewards that await us there. Amen. I enjoy living. You can offer me a cheese sandwich or a cheese and ham sandwich. And I'm going to take the cheese and ham sandwich every time. Hello. You can offer me a chocolate cherry or a dark chocolate covered coffee bean or a big old 12-inch Zagnut candy bar. And I'm going for the Zagnut candy bar. You can offer me a pitiful-looking little bag of jelly beans that are licorice and offer me a bag of fluffy circus peanuts, and I'm going for the circus. It's good to live for God. It's wonderful to live for God. I enjoy living for God. But I want you to know, I saved my life a long time ago when I lost it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I saved my life a long time ago when I lost it to Jesus Christ I'm not going to lose my life because I've already found my life. He that loses his life shall save it. He that saves his life shall lose it. I got out of the saving James business. Did you hear what I just said? I got out of the saving James business. He that saves his life shall lose it. So I'm gonna win. I'm not losing my life because I got out of the saving James business. I got out of living for James business. I started living for Jesus because that's all that really matters. In the end, all that matters is your relationship with Jesus Christ. In the end, it's you and Jesus Or nothing. In the end. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In the end. In the end. And there will be an end. In the end. To whom shall I go? Thou hast the words to eternal life. John 6. Jesus Christ said, where shall we go? Where can we go? Where'd I run to? He has the words to eternal life. He's the Savior. Amen? Don, I know pressure's on you right now, but listen to me. This can be the most exciting, thrilling time of your life. I'm serious. It can be the most exciting, thrilling time of your life. I look back, and it wasn't the great times and the good times that I I cherished the most in my ministry. It was the hard moments and the hard times that I cherish in my life. I cherish in my life because God brought me through. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. But the most beautiful thing that you'll ever do for yourself is stop saving yourself because you can't. Spend yourself, expend, give yourself to Jesus Christ. Lose your life, and you'll save it. Nobody wants to do that. And by the way, most preachers don't want to preach that. In fact, preaching verse by verse, I just kind of stuck with it today. Would I have avoided it? No. I'm preaching verse by verse. But I guarantee you, preachers that go here and there and here and there and everywhere will avoid that part. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Josh is going to come and bring a song. We're glad you came today. I trust you still feel the gladness that you had when you walked in. Don't get mad, get glad. That ought to be a commercial. Honestly, where are you going? The graveyard is your end. Cremation is your end. Graveyard is your end. Where, where are you going? Come on. What are you living for? What is it that you're, 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 uh, you're striving for? What is it that you want in the end? Don't live for the moment. Live for eternity. Alders open, go ahead Josh.